This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Downey. Our guest this week is USDA Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation, Bill Northey. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, the voice of milk. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey next. Open Mic is brought to you by Edge Dairy Cooperative, the voice of milk. Edge provides dairy farmers in the Midwest with a strong voice, the voice of milk, in Congress, with customers, and within their communities. Edge is a progressive organization that represents all dairy farmers equally, recognizing both their differences and similarities. Now the number four dairy cooperative in the country based on milk volume, Edge is amplifying the voice of its farmers. Now more than ever, dairy farmers need to be heard. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The 2019 crop season has been a challenge from the start, with millions of acres of crops still in the field. USDA Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation Bill Northey says they're still working on a final sum of acres not planted this year. By the time you take FSA numbers, by the time you look at crop insurance numbers where folks are filing, you know not everybody participate in both of those. We don't have everybody that participates in farm programs and therefore certifies their acres. Or Not everybody participates in crop insurance. But it's around 20 million acres. Um, and it was all kinds of things. It certainly was rivers that came out of their banks. But it was a lot of just plain wet weather where I talked to folks who said in in the month of May, it rained 19 out of their 31 days, and and they just never dried out. Sometimes it was really terrible wet, and sometimes it was just too wet to plant. How about indemnities alone for prevent plant? Uh, a little over $4 billion. I think it's about $4.5 billion. Uh, right now, total indemnities are about $6.5 billion. So we've never had $4.5 billion worth of prevent plant indemnities. Just doing the simple math on the back of the envelope, if it was $4 billion and it was 20 million acres, that would be $200 an acre. We know some more, some less. So it was significant. Never as good as what it would be to get a crop. But thank goodness for a lot of folks... $4 billion worth of folks, um, that that was an important number to get. We do know that the number, the total number will go up because we have a lot of crop that's not harvested yet. Some of that is going to show a loss. I think we're probably peaked out about where we'll be on the prevent plant. That should be generally settled out there. We've seen some pictures on social media in North Dakota of the snow taller than the corn still left in the field. And at the time of our conversation, uh, the National Ag Statistics Service said still more than 10% of a corn crop in the field. With that large volume in the field, how does that affect from USDA closing one year and looking at the next? Well, it certainly is a challenge for our producers as they're trying to finish up this year. It's a challenge for them to come up with crop insurance dollars, other payments, challenge for them to get ready for operating notes for 2020 when they're still trying to clean up 2019. It does impact us a little bit, but it's mostly because it impacts producers and uh, we, we need to be able to transition. We also need to remind folks that we've got deadlines coming up. Our PLC, we want folks to sign up by March. And sometimes in these concentrated periods of time, when they're off focusing on trying to get the work done on the field that should have been done a month and a half ago, uh, it's hard for them to remember the other deadlines. Uh, dairy margin coverage program, 
uh, is right now still scheduled for the 13th of December. So we need folks to be able to come in, remember some of those other deadlines. we got to break through uh, the concentration that they are all spending on trying to get 2019 finished. So then thinking of crop insurance and looking at this year, you've made extra effort to allow additional time to pay those premiums, but you're coming up on the calendar when the year is over and in discussing with officials of your risk management agency suggesting that the bills have to be paid or else. They do need to be. So uh, by the time uh, for most producers that that time period is they need to be paid by the time you sign up for the next crop insurance. So for spring planted crops, that's March 15th. Um, and although interest doesn't start until the 1st of February, you better have that bill paid by March 15th or have a conversation with your agent uh, or the company in why you are still going to take that policy out. You still want to be eligible for that. Um, and, uh, and, and that you'll make somehow an arrangement to be able to make that payment later. Uh, but, but right now it's important to be able to get it paid by the 15th of March or that next sign-up date for the 2020 crop that you have. Talk about the sugar beet producers. What help has been done? What efforts are underway to help that segment of the farming population? You know, it's easy to look and understand that you got frozen ground and beets are out there and they can't take frozen weather and, and the harvest is done. But there's an additional impact that happens in sugar beets because these, these co-ops are co-ops, truly co-ops. And when you process the sugar, if you only have two-thirds as much sugar as you should have, um, the fixed costs from that plant are still there. So you end up not only impacting the people that were not able to deliver and they have some crop insurance to be able to fall back on, but because the profitability of the plant is so much less because you still have to cover overhead, the beets that did get delivered get a reduction in value uh, from that plant. And so we're trying to figure out ways to analyze what that is, maybe look at the co-op as if it was a grower to understand how we do that. Crop insurance will step in where a person has a lack of yield, and that works. But it doesn't necessarily step in where a producer has a lack of price and you had a good crop delivered, and so we've got to figure out if there's other ways. So right now we're still working through exactly what that looks like. Um, with Proposed timetable? Uh, we're getting close on uh, the, the uh, folks at Southern Minnesota that was – uh, that had some issues in 2018. Um, I think we're a ways away from the 2019 because they don't even know necessarily what their yield is. They'll continue to grind beets um, for for several months yet. They know they put some beets away not in the best shape, and they want to be able to see what their final prices are. So um, I think hopefully we're weeks away from the, the 2018 situation. We've been working with them, and and Congress gave us the ability several months ago, and those conversations started several months ago, to be able to address it. 2019 is going to be a little bit slower as we need more information. Market Facilitation Program, 2018-2019. Evaluate the two. We've, we've heard from a number of lenders that have said indemnities uh, from, from crop insurance, from farm programs, from MFP, could be as much as 30% of net farm income this year. How do you evaluate that program and the transition between the first year and the structure of the second year? So each were developed at different times. In the first year, we'd already made our planning decisions. We were getting ready and going right into harvest. I think it made sense to have it 
respond to how much crop you actually had and were impacted. Uh, the second year, we were still finishing up planting when we announced the program. We wanted to make sure people knew that it couldn't plant for an MFP, uh, like plant a crop that would get a higher MFP payment. So we went to the acre payment. They still needed to both be simple. We didn't want people to have to bring in boxes full of paperwork, and our offices, frankly, can't handle um, that many extra uh, amounts of paperwork or hours with producers. So it still needed to be straightforward. We've heard people that like one or the other. Um, generally, it seemed like more people liked the second year than the first year. But it just depends on your circumstance. The challenge of getting that out, I just talked to producers uh, just last week who told me that if that hadn't come, that they really would not have had enough dollars to be able to pay some of their bills that were there. I think it, what it reminds us is how important trade is. It's designed just to be the impact of trade and, and not precisely what the impact of trade is to every producer, but as close as we can get. And so that's how important trade is to agricultural producers. It's it's worth many dozens of percents of value of profit, not of gross receipts. In some cases, it is gross receipts. So certainly soybeans and cotton and some of the others, um, it, it can be a third or, or half of the total crop. Uh, it certainly is important in nearly everything we produce for that extra that has a real impact on price. Well, the, the structure of the farm program has changed to a market-based program and risk management. So when you're based on trade and and trade for one reason or another is closed, you can understand the difficulty. We saw some members of Congress that challenged and said you were picking favorites or picking regions or picking crops. Was that the case? No. The way we looked at it is figure out what crops are being impacted. How do we try and be able to find a response to that? Uh, It's different. Cotton certainly has a higher amount of exports that go to China than what corn does. And so that impact is going to be different. How do you translate that into payments? Those are challenges. How do you set county payment rates? And But if you have a corn farmer in an area that's got more cotton, you're going to influence that rate with a countywide payment to those producers. But it was, I think, as straightforward as could be done. At the end of the day, the states that get the most payments are those states that produce the most commodities that are impacted. Actually, it's Illinois and Iowa have have ended up so far with over a billion dollars worth of payments, much more than the southern states. The rates are higher in some counties in the south. In other counties, it's lower, but depends what that crop is. I do think that considering the circumstance, the need for speed, the, the importance of being able to get something out that was straightforward and simple, not building a long-term program, building a program that could be delivered in a matter of weeks, not years, I think it responded very well. Congress has a different standard, or maybe just is looking at home, mm-hmm. um, but but certainly, you know, it takes five years to put a farm bill together, and, and uh, there's reasons that it does, and it's hard. Um, so I think it, it has gone relatively well. We all hope that we'll be back to trade, and we don't need a round three um, of, of uh, MFP, but we'll see. And on that concept of the third tranche, when is that decision to be made? So for this second round of payments, the second MFP, the third tranche uh, is scheduled to be uh, January uh, or February, so I would say after the first of the year, mm-hmm. we'll look at the situation. I don't know. We see back and forth. We see tweets and other things that will tell us we're back and forth. 
my sense is we were getting closer. Um, I sure hope that we are. Mm-hmm. We all want to get back to that trading environment. But in the meantime, uh, if we don't, I know it's the president's desire, it's certainly the secretary Purdue's desire, to be able to support our farmers, kind of bridge to that better trade environment. I want to call an audible here. I'd like to take off the undersecretary hat and bring the farmer hat to the front. The one debate that I'm aware that farmers never wanted to have was farm programs versus nutrition programs. And it's not a surprise that as the regulations from USDA were offered about limiting some people's uh, ability to gain uh, SNAP benefits, that there was an attack from a subcommittee chair on the House Ag Committee of we're giving money to wealthy farmers and denying people the food who need it. How do you define as a farmer why these programs are important? You know, I think Congress has established a lot of criteria for all these programs. We have criteria to trying to make sure that benefits are delivered to those that have earned those benefits. For the most cases, any of these changes that are being talked about around the food stamp program, the SNAP program, are about making sure that there's not automatic benefits that that are triggered, that that folks actually go through an application process, Mm -hmm. and everyone who deserves it should be able to get it. I would argue the same should be true in agriculture. If you deserve it, if you qualify for this program, you should be able to come. If you don't, you shouldn't. Uh, we have AGI limits. We have payment limits. We have producers who are not getting MFP uh, that have production in agricultural products. It is because they don't hit the AGI limit or they, they have a bigger operation than what their payment limit allows them to collect. Um, and it's important uh, that we keep those measures in a way Congress and the program intended. Are the programs of the risk management agency of the new farm bill and even of these market facilitation program payments, were they intended to guarantee a profit to farmers? No, not at all. And uh, we certainly hope and need our farmers to be profitable everywhere. Certainly as we look at an MFP, that is just a bridge to a better trade environment whereby the market creates that profitability for producers, but they got to compete. Uh, you and I are across the fence from each other. And we we're going to have different production methods and other kinds of things, different costs of production. There's no guarantee the market's going to give us a price over that cost of production. We sure hope that it is for both of us. But these are designed to be able to help bridge, be able to soften the blows in tough times. Crop insurance, certainly. Um, I think everybody should remember, even when we're talking about $6 billion worth of payments, $4 billion worth of prevent plant, somebody's going to say, we don't have a cost there, and you're paying $4 billion? Yes, you have a land cost, you have machinery costs, you have labor costs, you have lots of other costs there. None of those payments make you as well off as if you had good production, regular production, normal production at good prices. None of them get you there. It's just a bridge to be able to help you plant next year's crop, give you a chance at another year. Conservation Reserve announcement, first time in four years. Process for that, total number of acres for that, and and any particular figure by the states. We will certainly have, I believe, a lot of interest. We have a lot of acres that expire in September of 2020, uh, contracts that expire. We have some headroom here from the 1.7 million acres that we're short of our cap right now, the cap going up another million acres as well. The combination of all that, it will be the largest CRP sign-up, at least acres available, for 
at least the last 10 years. Now, it'll, again, depend how much interest there is. Is there going to be a lot of interest? We have some payment caps on rental rates. If there's not a lot of interest, we won't accept a lot of acres. If they're not worth the bid, I think there's going to be a lot of interest. I think we're going to accept a lot of acres. I'm hearing a, a lot of interest from folks out there. So we don't have a particular allocation. We will review uh, where those acres are are um, coming from, um, and Congress has asked us to make sure that that we keep an appropriate balance, that we look at where stuff was uh, 10 and 15 years ago, and then make sure that we maintain at least a 60 or 70 percent of that level for the states. I think that'll uh, be very easy to do just with our normal national competition level. Uh, we don't look to accept um, a, a lot higher payment rate in one state versus another right now and don't think that that will be necessary to make sure that we re- retain an appropriate balance between states. The 18 Farm Bill allows now some options for producers, and it's time to make those decisions of ARC or PLC. At one time, that might have been a lot easier with the developments of the marketplace, uh, maybe different now. And also, considering that some RMA data is going to be available and producers also able to update their production history all this information has a lot to disseminate to make the choice for the next couple of four this past year and the year ahead. It does. Um, producers will have a little bit more information about 2019 because we'll be partway through the marketing year by the time this closes uh, in March. And they will generally know what 2019 production was. That will be more information than most producers would have in a normal sign-up period. So that does make be make it a lot slightly more complicated. It also means that potentially both ARC and POC could be beneficials to producers. Part of the time before, it looked like one was going to be preferred over the other is because one wouldn't pay at all, and the other had the potential of paying. It looks like right now the, they both have the potential of paying in different situations, so it's going to be more of a challenge. But but it also may mean that a person may not be that much wrong with either one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, we certainly encourage folks to look at that, make a decision early if you can, and then you can certainly change that decision by March 15th if you want as well. I want to finish and talk about your team because you have a, a, a group of individuals in counties across the country that are administering a new farm bill. They're administering the emergency programs of the MFP. Uh, you have employees that are working some long hours to get things done. Here's my question. Do you have the workforce? And I know that there are studies now that you're monitoring the workload of employees. Do you have the employees that you need? And do they have the computer software and the tools they need to timely administer these programs? I think we'd always want more more folks out there. We'd also want uh, systems that are that are faster and quicker and, and programs that work better. And we're, that's our intention to be able to get there uh, as well. I talk to every farmer, and every farmer would like to have a little bit more labor on their farm as well. They have a lot of things they'd like to do. I think we have a committed workforce that is committed to get these programs out. They delivered MFP and other programs, disaster programs, other things. We are taxing them a lot. A big CRP sign-up is going to create a lot of work out there as well. ARC PLC, I'm sure some decisions are going to get made pretty close to March 15th, and that will create a big workload as well. And so 
we do have a challenge, and we're trying to keep us staffed up with as many dollars as we have. Congress wants to provide some more dollars. We'll gladly have some more people uh, and invest some more in software. We also had to take some of our IT dollars and be able to, to invest in the software that it took to stand up the new farm program um, uh, programs uh, as well. So it's a challenge. It's a lot of pieces. We have a great workforce, folks that love and care for their producers out there, and they are working hard. Uh, we need to find them as much help as we can. Under Secretary Northey, we want to thank you for taking time. You had a lot of travel over the past several days, but thanks for spending time with us here on Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and the farmer gets the last word. Oh, thank you, Jeff. Um, you know, it's been a challenging year for a lot of producers out there. We've tried to do what we can with the flexibility that we have at USDA as well. I remind folks, if you feel a need to be able to address one of these issues, get into your FSA, NRCS office, your crop insurance agent's office. Keep them informed of your situation, whether it's worried about being able to make a premium payment on, on crop insurance or whether it's a concern about livestock losses in a snowstorm or other kinds of things. Our folks are there to be able to try and help. We all hope and expect 2020 is a much less challenging year and more towards what we think normal should be. Um, I think sometimes non-farmers, I don't realize, I ran into somebody the other day that that caused me to realize, and non-farmers don't realize how frustrating a year like this is. Uh, it's not that you're not working to get crop planted. It's just that the, the weather's not allowing it, and you are filling a planter, running out there, not able to finish it. you got the wrong hybrid in the planter. You've got to drain it. You've got to change your plans, and it's been a battle. Uh, and it still is a battle. We still have a lot of crop uh, in the field across this country. So our art goes out to those producers. you got a friend uh, in your local offices at, at uh, FSA, NRCS, a crop insurance agent. Find ways that, that we can help. Um, certainly... We're all wanting a lot better things for our producers in 2020, and we're certainly going to do everything that we can to make that happen. Our thanks to USDA Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation, Bill Northey, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, the voice of milk. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Dowling. 